So I'm going to share with you today a message, Solidarity with the Poor, subtitled Fasting That Gets Results from Isaiah 58. We're going to look at Isaiah 58 and then look at a companion verse in Isaiah 61 and then go back to Isaiah 58. There's three parts to this message. Number one, the problem, fasting that doesn't work. Number two, the solution, fasting that pleases God. And number three, the blessings, amazing grace in our lives. We're in a fasting series. We fast because we want spiritual breakthroughs. We fast because there's problems that we're dealing with. And I'm gonna show you a little video clip of a guy now who was facing a problem. I, his problem was gophers. And I think his wife said, honey, would you run down to Home Depot and get some uh, gopher traps? He's like, no way. I'm gonna just run a little propane from my barbecue into the gopher hole because I don't like this little gopher hole either because it makes lumps in our yard and it makes the lawn look crummy. And I'm just gonna get that propane going sooner or later. And oh, solve the problem, no more gopher. That's what guys do sometimes, you know. They like to fix things. I like to fix things too. Now he needs a little marriage counseling. Um, so there are a number of biblical purposes for fasting. Just as a review, David's been preaching on this. Jesus fasted to prepare himself for ministry. Matthew chapter four. Israel fasted to seek God in times of crises. 2 Chronicles 20, Moses fasted to seek God on Mount Sinai, Deuteronomy 9, David fasted when he mourned and when his child was sick, 2 Samuel 3 and 12, Nineveh fasted in repentance to seek mercy and avoid judgment, Jonah 3, the Apostle Paul fasted when he first encountered Christ and when he appointed elders in local churches, Acts 8 and Acts 14, the New Testament church leaders fasted when they were seeking God and worshiping, Acts 13. Jesus said his disciples would fast, and fasting enables us to hold the new wine God brings into our lives, Matthew chapter 9. Let's pray together. Father God, help us as we get into your word, see the truth that can set us free. Lord, adjust our hearts as we focus our attention on your word. Help us to hear what your spirit is saying to the church in Jesus' name. So we're going to deal first with the problem, fasting that doesn't work. One problem is that many people never fast, and the main reason is because they don't like the pain. If you go 24 hours without eating, you're fine in the morning, in the afternoon you're grumbling, and by dinner time you're in a really bad mood if you're like me. If you go 48 hours, it just gets worse. If you go uh, three days, it just is a compounding deal. And eventually, you don't get as hungry, but you're just real weak. And you can be driving down a street, and a McDonald's that you go past that you'd normally say is junk smells like a gourmet restaurant. <laughs> so why would you even put yourself through that? You'd put yourself through that kind of pain if there was a purpose, if there was a desire for a breakthrough, getting close to God, getting... Uh, grace for a particular problem that is weighing you down and robbing you from joy anyway. So fasting that doesn't work, shout 
aloud, it says in Isaiah 58, 1. Shout aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the command of its God. So they, they were fasting, but it was bad religion. Their fasting wasn't working. It was a distorted attempt to get God to do what they wanted. They asked me for just decisions and seemed eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say? Why have you not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Now, those are good questions. When, when our faith is not getting any kind of breakthrough, when, you, when your devotional time is not bringing you any refreshing, any blessing, or any insight, it's time to ask the Lord why. If you're fasting, you're going without food and water, which we've asked everybody to do on Wednesdays, if your health permits, um, or, or giving up other things throughout this 21-day period, we're asking you to make a commitment and, and you should expect results. Jesus said that when we fast in secret, God rewards us openly. So it's not wrong to desire reward or results in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you're giving, whether you're fasting, whether you're praying, uh, we must, it says in Hebrews eleven six, everyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. If you don't believe there's a reward, you're not going to waste your time. So here's what they were doing wrong. It says, the end of verse 3, Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Well, there, there's not going to be a lunch break today because I'm not eating, so we're just going to work on through. We're not going home at 5 o'clock. We're going to work all the way till dark because I don't want to go home because I don't want to just sit there while my family eats dinner and I'm not eating. And, and these guys just drove the people they were working with harder. Another problem, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You get real hungry, you're going to get more irritated. You get more irritated, you get in more arguments. The purpose of fasting is not to win arguments. Some of my friends were fasting that the election results would change. It didn't work. They, you can uh, fast about a lot of things and, and for purposes other than what's really on God's heart, and um, it can be very futile. I have found, politically speaking, almost no anointing in my life to change anybody's opinion about anything the last couple of years. I've had plenty of arguments about vaccines, and, and anyways, that's a different story. Um, <laughs> You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed, for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? I finished a three-day fast when I was living with my mom and brothers and sisters. And uh, I had made it. I was so happy. I got up early that morning. I went up on the hill, had a wonderful prayer time, came down from the mountain, 
went into the kitchen. My sister was just leaving the kitchen. And as she's leaving and I'm going in, she says, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to have some breakfast. No, you're not, because I just cleaned the kitchen. I don't want anybody messing it up. And I'm like, hey, I haven't eaten anything for three days. Don't tell me what I'm going to do. And we just had a big fight, you know. And then I was like, all the way back at square one, God forgive me, this doesn't work. Um, now the solution, fasting that pleases God. Verse 6, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loosen the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? That's God's purpose. He wants to break yokes, which are spiritual strongholds that keep people in bondage. Slavery, you could say, would be an ultimate human yoke put on somebody else. But there's all kinds of slavery. Guys are, are trapped in jobs and they don't have the f freedom to just move from one job to another and their bosses can turn up the screws and make their lives miserable when they realize that guys are vulnerable. There, there's yokes of spiritual oppression. I got a call um, or a text this morning from a lady who's been in Living Streams a long time. She was in the early service. And she was encouraging me, which I appreciated. And I thought about her life. Her oldest son committed suicide when he was a young man. And it was devastating and heartbreaking when we did that memorial service. Then a few years later, her, her husband, who had just been baptized a year or so earlier, was on a mission trip, and he died of a heart attack. And I was thinking about the grief that she's endured, losing her oldest son, losing her husband, still being to this day a single mom, and yet she's not living in grief. She was at our house for dinner the other night, and she was full of joy. She was full of joy because God has given her something, something more powerful than that yoke of sadness and grief. And Jesus describes it in Isaiah 61, verse 1. says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is a parallel to Isaiah 58, verse 6. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, light to the blind, to heal the brokenhearted. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. What I can't do as a man, what you can't do as a man or a woman, Jesus, through his anointing by the Holy Spirit, can do in all of our lives. I got another text from a woman in Northern California who listened to the second service. And I've known her for 45 years. She gave her life to Christ in our ministry in California. She lived in an area of town where uh, her mom died of a brain tumor. Her neighbor, uh, who was also in our church, died of brain cancer. Uh, and I, when I was visiting them, I asked and I found out there was a whole cluster of cancer in their neighborhood. She got married to a wonderful man of God. She was a faithful young woman of God. 
they had three kids, and two of their three kids were severely disabled and died as teenagers. It was heartbreaking because most likely they had experienced through no fault of their own some injustice because they lived in an area that had once been a dump and probably toxic chemicals had poisoned the soil, poisoned possibly the water supply. Who knows what happened? All I know is this is a woman who has endured incredible sadness, but when she and her husband were visiting us, During the Christmas season, she did not come shrouded in grief. She came full of the Spirit, full of joy, full of grace, because an anointing has come upon her. And that's what Jesus can do for each and every one of us and for every situation. He is a God of justice. Justice is his priority. Justice, mercy, and the love of God. He said, that's more important than tithing. Don't quit tithing, but get the heart of God. Justice and mercy and the love of God. When I was in Indonesia, um, we were driving with some YWAM missionaries. We passed a, a couple of houses on a hill, very nice property, and my friend said, that one guy used to own the whole hill because he's been in our ministry for years. The other guy moved in, builds a house, and took over all the land. And I went, what? How does that happen? He said, the other guy is a general. And in our country, the generals have the power. And if they want something, they take it. When we were, uh, we had sent some missionaries to Mexico from our church in San Rafael, California. In 1979, the, the, the leader of the team, his name is Jim Smith, he gets down to Mexico. He has his doctoral dissertation all typed up in his van. And uh, this was pre-personal computer days. And uh, he goes out one morning to to get his van, and the van is gone. It turns out the police had taken his van, not because it was illegally parked, but because they made up for their low salaries by confiscating things like people's vans and either reselling them or, or giving them back after a large bribe has been paid. My friend never got his doctoral dissertation back and never got his van back. It was injustice. And there's no no simple little words you can say sometimes to make that pain go away. But we do serve a God who has the last word, whose, whose spirit can come upon us, not just to comfort us, but to anoint us and to teach us how to hear so that what we do and what we say can give life to others. I remember when we first started Living Streams and we just had a few people in our church And we had this one girl, and she had an eating disorder, and she wanted prayer after the service. So she comes forward, and and this is 1985, I guess. I didn't know much about this kind of thing. All I knew was this, that she had a need, she was hurting, and I lay my hands on her, and the Lord gives me a word, and it has to do with her father. Now, I assume everybody's got a father. I didn't know if her father was alive or dead or whatever. I said, I think the Lord is saying that you have a problem with your dad. As soon as I said that, she just began to weep. She just broke down and wept and wept. Well, that was a girl who invited her friend Ben to our little church, who invited his friend JB to our little church, who invited our fr- his parents, Ewell and Butley, Betsy Butler, who were in the eight o'clock service today, and they invited their friends, the Vander Wingard, and he, he was chief of staff at uh, Good Sam Hospital, and, 
our whole little church exploded. Why? Not because I had the ability to make it grow, because I didn't, <clears throat> but because the Holy Spirit gave a word to somebody who was under a yoke of oppression because of a bad relationship that she wanted to make right, and she couldn't make it right, but the Lord knew her heart and knew that she was still loved in spite of the fact that she was in a very entangled situation. He is the God of justice. He can make all things new. In verse 7 it says, the purpose of a fast is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. The Lord cares about the poor. He really, really does. He wants us to be part of the solution. That's why Living Streams has a food bank and we've served hundreds of families every year for years and years. That's why we have a, a home on the west side that, that provides free rooms for girls who are pregnant and they don't have a family that'll support them and they can raise their baby in the house. Room for me. That's why we have a, a home for guys aging out of the foster care system right here on our property because we care about people that are poor. We want to make things right. But we also know that it's not the room and it's not the food that saves the soul. What saves the soul is a revelation that Jesus said, I'm going to bring good news to the poor. And the good news for the poor is the whole kingdom of God is open to you. If you will believe, it's, your life will not be defined by your education, by your family background, or whatever finances are available to you right now. Your future will be determined by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who sits at the right hand of the Father, who will live to intercede for you and never leave you or forsake you all your days. That's the good news for the poor. It works for me too. And he says here specifically, don't turn away from your own flesh and blood. I believe every family, every extended family has got all kinds of issues. I have a sister, Kim, who you could pray for if you don't mind. She has pancreatic cancer, just diagnosed a week ago. I have a nephew who's been in and out of mental hospitals by the name of Ben. He's doing good right now, but he's been up and down for a number of years. I have a brother with a major marriage struggle. I have a cousin who's alcoholic. And you know what my tendency is sometimes? is like, you know, they've got their problems because they're not following Jesus. But the reality of the matter is, no. No, they, they have accepted Jesus. They're still struggling. And they are my flesh and blood. And Lord, I would love more than anything to be able to solve their problem. But I can't just fix their situation. But I know that you have the wisdom. You have the grace. You have the keys. So on my fast, I'm going to seek you on their behalf. I'm going to ask you to do what only you can do. Because at the right time and in the right way, you can intervene in their lives. You can give them the breakthrough that makes all their pain redemptive. So the third part of this is the blessings, amazing grace in our lives. Verse three, or third point, verse eight. 
then your light will break forth like the dawn. That's your understanding of life is your light. Your healing will quickly appear, and we all need healing from time to time. May it come quickly. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Uh, the Wednesday night prayer times have been great. Uh, the, two weeks ago on Wednesday night, Bill Provost came up to me. I was sitting in the back having prayer, and he just stuck out his hand. I wanna, he said, I want to just say hi. And he had his face was lit up by the glory of God. It was beautiful. Bill doesn't own his own home. Bill isn't married. Bill, I think he's in his 50s. He, he could be feeling sorry for himself, but he wasn't. He was here seeking God. He was experiencing the glory of God. He was encouraging me. He was blessing me. That's the reward where it says, the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he'll say, here am I. I love that because we're all in situations. Sometimes we're like, hey, Lord, it's me. It's me, oh, Lord standing in the need of prayer. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, I, I, I prefer to think it's only other people that exercise the yoke of oppression, but when I read that, I remembered that we rent a house to a single mom with three kids, and her, she's not paying full market value, and I'm really tempted to raise the rent, but I know that she is stuck. And if you take advantage of somebody that's stuck, what does that say? That says you are putting a yoke of oppression on them. The pointing finger is blaming other people for your situation. And there is always somebody to blame. There's somebody to blame in the family. There's somebody to blame because you weren't selected on a team or promoted on a job. There is always somebody to blame. But you do away with it. And if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, that means hungry for attention. That means people who, who, who are, are so caught up in their own situation that sometimes you don't want to even answer their call because you don't want to get sucked back into something that you can't fix. But on your fast day, you're doing what the Lord has said. It's not about what you're giving up. It's about what you're doing. It's about you putting your time and attention into a situation that normally you'd say, this is beyond me, but now you're going to say, here I am, Lord. They're hungry. And, and take whatever I've got, whatever grace I've got, and let me share it with them. So if you get a call from me on a Wednesday fast day, you know why I'm calling Then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will be like the noonday. That means your depression will be lifted. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in the sun-scorched land. It means when it's hot, when it's dry spiritually, it's going to satisfy your needs, strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild ancient ruins and will raise up age-old foundations. You'll be recalled repair of the broken walls, 
restorer of streets with dwellings. Why are walls broken? Those are referring to relational dynamics that are broken. People that repair relational dynamics, broken walls, walls that were broken because of conflict, Jesus said they're peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called sons of God. Because you did not shy away from conflict. You were not trying to win the argument. You're not trying to prove who's right and who's wrong. You're trying to open the gates of heaven. You're seeking the one who can bring an anointing that can solve problems. That's what we need in our nation. That's what we need in our families. That's the foundation of the church. That's what we want to walk in. The grace that Jesus said, don't leave home without it. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what we have to give to the poor is more than a meal. It's good news. What we have to give to the person with the yoke is more than just, I'm going to fight your battle with you. No, we're going to bring the king of kings into your battle. We want to bring the lion of Judah into your life. We want to bring the alpha and omega into your family because he is the one who can heal and restore all the broken walls. He is the one who can build a new foundation. He is the one that promises eternal life to everyone who believes. Amen? Okay, we're going to close with some prayer. And as we do, I want you to um, just say, Lord, how do you want to direct me? How do you want to use me? And we've got some ideas that will be up on the screen. Some situations you can pray for. You're going to be drawn to help people who are hurting. That's what it's all about. It's focusing on helping them, and then the helper himself helps you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for your kingdom. Thank you that we get to taste a bit of your glory right here in this world. We don't deserve it. Lord, we're asking you to wash us and cleanse us. And direct us. You said you'd guide our paths. Guide us in your ways. The way everlasting.